All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. You are now listening to the Fitness Education Online Podcast, the podcast where fitness professionals go to grow their fitness business. If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bro Science. Very excited for another episode today. As always, I'm joined uh, with my co-host, Craig. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Trav. Excited to be back uh, chatting to a very, very interesting guest today. Yes, this is uh, this is one that I was we just chatted before we hit record, saying uh, that for me is sort of a a very selfish reason I got him on because it's something that I want to learn about, and I know plenty of fitness people want to hear about because it's something that gets asked and brought up a lot, um, and it's around wearable technology. So we've got the special guest all the way from the other side of the world. We've got Rob Terhorst. Uh, who is from Holland, uh, our father country, we were just saying, but now based in Austria, uh, doing a PhD biological data analysis. Uh, you can find him on YouTube, The Quantified Scientist, fast approaching his 100,000 subscribers. So make sure you go over there and subscribe and he'll get his silver plaque and he'll have that on his wall somewhere, I think. Uh, I know a little bit about exactly. that because my, my wife's chasing her 100,000 as well for her YouTube channel. Wow. So so she's uh, a little bit behind you, but she's going to get there and uh, she'll get her little plaque and sits on the wall. Um, Rob, thank you so much for, for giving me up some time this morning for you uh, to chat with us. Uh, very excited to, to hear from you today. Nice, nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So first up, just give everyone a little bit of a, a 101, who you are and how you landed in the space of, I mean, I can, those who aren't uh, visual yeah. on this, I can see you've got at least an, a ring on, you've got a watch on, and I think you've got another watch on. There's three or four yeah. rings on. How did you land in this space on wearable tech? Yeah, yeah. So it's, well, there's multiple aspects to it. So it started originally, so I'm a data scientist. So um, I like data analysis, so I like numbers. Um, and it started, the, like the, the inkling started with me trying to explain to my parents what data analysis was because they didn't know. I, I wanted to explain what my job was, which is biological data analysis, but I got stuck explaining the biology um, and then they were sort of tired of it and I never got to explain data analysis. So I was like, I can collect data on myself. They will understand this by default and I can explain the data analysis. So I bought a Fitbit and then I started also tracking my music listening automatically on Spotify. And then I did an analysis where I could plot my heart rate versus my music listening. So I could see that at Iron Maiden, I had a higher heart rate than with Bob Dylan, mostly because I do different activities during these things. But then they at least understood that this is what I do. I connect different data to each other, try to interpret it. But then I got fascinated by the whole idea of learning things about myself. Um, so I started expanding that about a blood pressure monitor and oxygen saturation sensor. And I wanted to track this over time to see how do things vary in myself over time. And can I, can I learn from that? Um, and then I started talking to other scientists. Um, so as, as you said, I was doing my PhD in the Netherlands. Um, and I started talking with some people who are brain experts. Um, and they were and we were chatting and they were like, oh, we can do like weekly sleep analysis on you and then do a brain MRI the next morning. So for for the last three years now or so, I've been getting weekly brain MRIs and we want to connect that to sleep patterns. And uh, so I'm also now I'm still getting getting brain MRIs every week. So um, that's like the scientific part of it. But then I, there's also a lot of parts that I can track myself at home. So I bought different Fitbits, but I in doing that, I found that there was very little information on on the accuracy of sleep tracking of these devices, on, on all these aspects. Um, and then since I was sort of into it, I was like, okay, I want to add to the platform at least this knowledge, like what the sort of a scientific uh, test of the different wearables. So people also know, are the health metrics of these wearables any good? And the, the limitation there is, of course, that it's only on me because I'm I'm, I can convince myself to do all this crazy experimentation um, and I'm trying now to expand to, to different people as well, but th that's the caveat with all these analysis, it's, it's based on me. So it might, a lot of it will translate to other people, but some things, if somebody has really big sleep troubles, it, it might work slightly differently for them. Just really on... interesting because, because uh, you know, in, uh, in my area, so as a, as a doctor, you sort of get this very cross-sectional analysis of people and, and their sort of biological metrics. So you'll see them once and you'll get 
you know, one one heart rate and one blood pressure, and and we always yeah. sort of say that it's 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 really not a good indication. It's just that that single slice, and we're not actually seeing what's happening the rest of the time. So it is a, it is really interesting how it's evolving, and and all these things that would have been you know inaccessible to 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 someone uh, several years ago. You know, they can have on the palm of their hand or around their wrist or on their finger. But I, but the really interesting thing is, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of marketing in these areas, a lot of gimmicks, a lot of claims made, and it's really cool that you've sort of self uh, self proclaimed yourself the, the guinea pig to test out and work out yeah, yeah. is uh is is there truth to to some of these things and and what's the accuracy? So it's yeah, it's very interesting. That actually leads on to what I was going to ask. I was going to ask, like, I assume these company, like, I don't know, is there papers from these companies that go like oh this is my this is our sleep track and how accurate it is, is like so, so so there's some yeah yeah you're right so there's some so mostly they're funded by the company themselves which makes it already a bit less independent um so companies do try to finance this kind of research where for sleep so for sleep the the gold standard um is polysomnography which basically means tracking your brain waves your eye movements your heart um your heart rate and your muscle movements and all of that combined brain waves are by far the most important part of this and also your eye movements for rapid eye movement sleep um, so, so they fund. So, so if you have this, and they also track sleep with the the tracker, then they can publish a paper uh, saying how accurate they were. But of course, they're they're most of the time self funded, so there's some some bias there. Most companies don't. Um, I've seen seen papers, for instance, for the Aura Ring. Um, also, Garmin had a paper out, but this is a while back. Um, again, this is the, the question is is what they're reporting exactly. Also, what's implemented in the gadget itself, or like. This is sort of a, a disconnect there. But there are some papers out there. I think, um, for instance, Aura, which is this ring that I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. I'm not affiliated with them in any way. Um, they're now building... They had recently a paper out where they showed they were very accurate with the new algorithm that's not out yet. And there, I think the good thing there is they didn't just limit it to three people with a few nights. They had like hundreds of, of nights of data. And I think this is what you need. Mm-hmm. Different... Like to get the ultimate test, which I can also not do, is to go through different contents, people with different skin colors, people with and without tattoos, like all these different men and women, like there will all be different age groups. These will all have different characteristics that ideally need to be tested. Um, I cannot do this myself. Of course, I get a first impression based on me. I think I get a rough, like I get a rough scale of which are the good ones, which are bad ones, but companies uh, have the resources to test it well, but they have a bias to publishing like positive results. Yeah. Well, just one random thing you just said there, you said with and without tattoos. How would that affect, is that just a random throwaway line so, or is that, is that? So for, for tracking your heart rate, um, this uses like different light frequencies to track yeah. the heart rate and tattoos can have an influence on that if that's under the, the watch itself. Um, I've not, I don't have any tattoos, um, so I cannot test it, but I've I've read online quite a lot of people who say that for some devices they just don't register a heart rate very well if there's a tattoo underneath the surface that that has the actual uh, measurements. There you go. Not something I ever would have thought about. So when we're talking lots of different devices, what are I mean? You're you're I've gone through. You're tracking lots of different things, lots of different devices. What are some of the really important metrics that? most devices are looking at, you know, like beyond, I suppose, beyond heart rate, which is, you know, heart yeah, rate yeah. and steps, I suppose. I saw one, I was, I didn't actually get to finish it. You were doing on the, on the um, Galaxy Watch about the steps and I didn't get to mm-hmm. finish the, the thing. So I didn't see what the result of the steps was, but yeah. So I suppose beyond heart rate and steps, what are some of the other things that these devices are now measuring? Mm-hmm. So, so I would say if in terms of devices, I think there are different um, target audiences. There's the audience that, wants to track their general health long-term and see if there's deviations. And there's athletes who are mostly focused on their sports. And I think for these two, there's different different devices out there. There are some that do do both. Um, if you take the, the Aura Ring that I talked about before, this is mostly a health tracking thing. So this is very much focused on what your general stats are throughout the day. So it it will be able to measure the new version, your, your oxygen saturation. It measures your heart rate during the night, your heart rate variability. So... Um, I don't know if you've heard of this before, but heart rate is basically how many beats per minute in really simple terms. And heart rate variability is how stable that distance between heartbeats is. So 
you can have exactly 60 beats with one second in between, or it can be 1.2 second between this beat and this beat, and then the next beat is 0.8 seconds away. Um, and a, a higher heart rate variability is generally seen as better. So more changes in your heart rate distances is better, um, huh. especially this is, is a good metric to measure during sleep. Um, it measures temperature, for instance, also during sleep. And um, so... So, so the HRV, the HRV measurement, I know briefly about it. I'm surprised, like it's the opposite of what I would have thought. I would have thought a more consistent HRV is what they were looking at. So that shows how little I know about it. So yeah, But yeah. is that at resting typically, or is that also like during high, like elevated heart rate periods? So I think, so I know less about it during sports, but I think some people use it and in, the, in their recovery after a sport, they measure it there. That's how I'm sort um, of vaguely during, familiar yeah, with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I think during sports, I can't see much use for it, but it's mostly, so I'm most familiar with it in, in terms of when people are, are sleeping and they, mm. they want to track their general health and in maybe also their, their improvements in their general um, uh, fitness over time. I think um, it probably will be more but, reliable with uh, with slower heart rates, obviously, because you exactly once you once you're exercising, your heart rate's up. There's there's less space for there to be significant variability. Mm. I think one of the things that you sort of think about when you, when you're thinking about the way the, the the heart is functioning is you've got the sort of opposing forces that work on the heart, so like the stress response that that brings the heart up, and then the 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 opposite sort of uh, the, these are the sort of autonomic responses. So. You've got the sympathetic system, which is driving that fight or flight, and then the parasympathetic thing that's sort of calming. They're always in balance. So the, the, the thing that you want to have in a healthy heart is a heart that can respond to those changes. And so I, I think that's probably the best way to sort of think about it, Trav, is you want your heart to be able to um, kick up a gear and, and slow down and relax as, as possible. And that's that variability that shows you've got a bit of an adaptable heart and it's not just... Um, just ticking away like a metronome, although that, you know, it sounds like an effective way, but it needs to be able to respond to the, the dynamic existence of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's to some degree related to stress, um, where if you're more stressed, your body just gets more like in focus. And I think it's good, especially during the night, that if your body is really relaxed and it's been shown that heart rate variability is very much uh, correlated with resting, resting heart rate. And this, you want to be low. So um, the lower your resting heart rate, the higher your heart rate variability in general. There you go. Very interesting. So we had temperature. Yeah. We had, um, before I digress oxygen there, saturation. oxygen. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, so oxygen and, saturation, and I, What what is that? What What's the general purpose of that so i think where it's actually so where it directly makes most sense to people is if you have some kind of medical condition coming on so some mm. respiratory disease like in some cases it could be covid uh, where you see this going down and if you have a device that that measures this during the night continuously reliably it could warn you like hey it's abnormally low maybe something is up go check it out and don't like people shouldn't freak out immediately when they get one metric off but it's a first indication that something's wrong. So in hospitals, it's it's often used just to see how I think, but I think uh, Craig might notice better. It's more, used more for uh, for tracking patients, basically how well they're oxygenated. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it's uh, it is something that we would see more change in people who are unwell. But the interesting thing is during sleep, we think about things like uh, sleep apnea, and that's when people are not breathing during their sleep, and that that might be one of these. Uh, one of these real benefits of, of these health trackers because routinely it's not unless we do a formal sleep study that we can pick up something like sleep apnea where they're not breathing regularly through the night and their oxygen saturations are dropping down. So we've now got a widely available way to pick up on those things early that can actually be right, really uh, quite a good public health intervention to, to pick those up because it's a, I guess it's a bit of a, one of the hidden things that we don't necessarily always, mm. always pick up on and, and it actually has massive impacts on people's health. Yeah, yeah, and and with sleep apnea, they're now often also using other ways to track people's breathing, and then they can de directly detect also when people stop breathing, basically. So there are some devices, for instance, that are under the mattress that can also detect people's breathing quite well, and even I don't know. So they need to be certified officially to do um, to detect sleep apnea, but then sometimes they just call it breathing irregularities, and then they don't have they get around that FDA type of approval. Um, and, and they use, so those are sort of raw metrics that are measured, also breathing rate. But then they use this, for instance, to try and estimate sleep stages. So sleep stages is not something you can, like, 
we sort of invented it in a way, right? It's it's there physiologically, but we termed these things, certain things like light sleep, deep sleep, are actually slightly more complicated than that. But the simple versions are light sleep, deep sleep, REM sleep, and then awake. And a lot of these trackers um, track that, but they cannot directly track it. They need to measure all these other things and then have some kind of algorithm mm-hmm. that estimates what it actually was. So for instance, during REM sleep, um, you're you're um, frozen in a way, like you're you're paralyzed. Um, and heartbeat changes, like in deep sleep, your heart rate is probably lower, but you're also not moving so much, whereas in light sleep, you're more active. Um, and these, the, the downside for these devices, they have to measure it at a point that is very far away from your brain. The best way is to get also the brain waves. Uh, and these devices have to develop algorithms that can use all these other metrics to then try and estimate these sleep stages. Um, and this is... I think this is where the biggest improvements still still need to happen. There are some devices out there which are quite decent at it on me. I have to say also some papers show that they're they're okay. Um, but a lot are also, I feel, sort of random almost sometimes or hmm. not completely random, but enough that it doesn't tell you much. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's, that's actually how I um, started looking at the Aura Ring because I was like, oh, I'm interested in like my sleep and how it is. And, and then... I'd read that that was a highly accurate or one of the more accurate ones. Um, so that's sort of where I'd learned about the Aura Ring in general. Um, what I'd like to get into from there, and it's maybe a long conversation this part, but maybe we can choose bits and pieces, is that accuracy part. Like on a general scope, how accurate are some of these things at what they say they do yeah, yeah. in your in your experience? So I think to, to start with, in general, the closer you are to, to raw measurements, as in just heartbeat or, or something like that, the more easy it is to be accurate. The more you get to derive things like sleep stages, the more difficult it is. Um, so for instance, the Aura Ring, I think, is a good example of a tracker that so far, at least because there's updates coming, has been good at tracking general health with things like heart rate variability, temperature, uh, heart rate during sleep, things like that. Not particularly good at sleep stages um they're not the worst but they're not amongst the best out there so the actual like deep sleep light sleep REM sleep um my best the best devices i've tested so far in terms of sleep staging have been different fitbits so fitbit seems to have a quite good algorithm for it though the downside of fitbit at the moment is that they're locking part of your data away behind a paywall which but or i think a lot of them are doing a lot of them are doing that now right yeah yeah, so this is something I'm not a fan of. I think it's it's where a lot of things are headed, these subscription models, but it is what it is. Uh, Whoop is also quite decent at, at uh, sleep stage tracking, and there's this device for under the bed, uh, the Withing Sleep Analyzer, which also turned out to be quite good um, in my testing. But this is, of course, a device purely for sleep because it's under your mattress, and, and it tries to, to measure things like that. So let's go to maybe exercise uh, when, you know, like most of our audience are fitness people, Yeah, yeah, which are the the good ones for for exercise purpose? So by far, if you talk about wrist-worn devices, by far the best one has been the app. Yeah, yeah. So if if we start with wrist-worn devices like watches, the Apple Watch has been the best heart rate tracker by far. I don't know how they do it. I think from what I read, Apple put a lot of effort into making sure that under different circumstances, it works well. Um, and also that you don't need to wear it super tight compared to some other devices. Um, then there are some recent devices that are doing quite well. The Huawei Watch GT3 um, that I recently tested did surprisingly well. Um, these, these names are sometimes also confusing to me. For instance, the Huawei Watch 3, which came out around the same time, is not doing well. And the Huawei Watch GT3 is. So um, that's yeah. kind of a confusing thing. Um, then I had the Garmin Venue 2, which did quite well on me. Um, surprisingly, then the Garmin Venue 2 Plus did a bit less. It's still not terrible, but it did a bit less well. Um, and I have to sort of explain, I'm testing this usually during three types of exercises. The first is the easiest one for most watches. This is a static exercise indoor cycling. So this is the generally easiest thing for watches to do. There's not much tension on my arms. I'm not moving around too much. Um, and a lot of them are pretty okay during this. Then I go cycling outside. This is where a lot of them start to, to stumble. Um, and then weightlifting is by far the most difficult thing for, for a wrist-worn wearable to track. Um, so if you want to be accurate under, under uh, most circumstances, it's always best to wear a chest strap. This is closest to uh, where the signal comes from and also measures a signal that has most resolution in a way. Because at the wrist, they're sort of measuring a derivative of your heart rate. It's, 
it's it's sort of a, a less clear signal, whereas the actual electrical heartbeat that a chest strap measures is a much more clear signal and it's not influenced as much by the different exercises you do as, as your wrist. If I do weightlifting, there's a lot of tension on my arm. It makes it really difficult for the watch to measure anything at my wrist just because of all the tension that's there. And that's why a chest strap is just by far the best. So if you, if, if you really care about heart rate, just get a chest strap. Um, the Apple Watch, if you see a heart rate there, it's almost always good. Sometimes during weightlifting at like the, the peak of the, the tension, it will not get a heart rate. It will simply not record it. So you will not know it. It will not, mm. in my experience, the Apple Watch not, will not display a wrong heart rate, but sometimes mostly during weightlifting, it will miss that peak of your heart rate. Yeah, I know with my, my wife's got a Samsung three watch maybe and uh, i know when she does her like she does like circuit training style stuff and i know hers seems to drop out you know like just seems to like drop off a cliff and then pick back up again and then yeah know, like- yeah, yeah samsung galaxy watches have not been terribly good in my testing for heart rate so yeah. far at least yeah interesting and then i don't know do you guys do you guys have you know you spoke about chest straps you, you we you normally talk about the polar chest strap which we've got here yeah i think i have an old one actually i have an old polar one actually um, I know Garmin uses a chest strap um, that the my that one of the, my trainers that I work with uses one of those. Mm-hmm. We've got one here called MyZone. Do you guys have MyZone over there? You're not mm, from, okay, yeah, I, okay. I, I don't know about it, but um, I'm not sure if that's just me or if it's really not here. Yeah, okay. No, MyZone, it's, it's one here that's quite popular in gyms um, because it all links up to like the TV in the gym. So everyone uh, can yeah, like yeah. sync up to a thing in the gym. And they can go like, hey, Craig, you're being super lazy, you know, start working harder. Yeah. Or or conversely, you know, maybe a, a better trainer might be, hey, Craig, we're supposed to be like not going full out. So, you know, calm it down a little bit and let's get that heart rate down a little bit. And, and it gives you like scores and metrics and yeah, all yeah. sorts of stuff that people can compare on, on their like database so, situation. So my general impression is that most chest straps will be quite decent. I haven't tested a whole bunch of them, but... It's just the the clear signal you can get. I, I think there's it's very difficult to go very wrong with it. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I admittedly I have to test test more and just check multiple like wear two brands at the same time and see how well they they match. Um, yeah, the, it is it is. I used one of the polars as sort of my gold standard since I've seen it do very well. I've worn two at the same time. They were very consistent. The fact that it's so consistent with, for instance, the Apple Watch, which has a completely different. Um, um, technique behind it means that I have quite and also that companies like I've talked to some companies that make watches they use it as a way of calibrating their watches so I have, have a bit of confidence in it but um, I think that's also partially to do with the, the how well developed it is how easily accessible it is to programmers and stuff um, but yeah I think most chest straps will be better than almost any uh, wrist worn wearable let's take a quick break When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. There you go. And I think, um, you know, for me personally, the chest straps is the one that I, I'm kind of vaguely interested in, but I it's sort of a bit painful to have to put a chest strap on every time, right? Yeah, so the, yeah, exactly. The, the whoops, the one that I'm most personally, is the, the one I'm leaning towards. We'll get your, your thoughts on something like that towards yeah. the end. But like things when it's weightlifting, I think things like watches and rings become sort of sometimes can almost become problematic because they can sign to get can get in the way a little bit yeah, yeah. Uh, with what you're doing as well which is also problematic yeah yeah so for me personally I like rings I I don't wear during weightlifting because you would just scratch them up and um so aura for instance is now the first ring that I know of that's really going into like they're aiming at some point to also measure your heart rate during exercise I don't know if they're going to want to do that during weightlifting because you're just going to mess it up completely. It's, mm. it's, I don't, don't see that happening. Um, watches for me are not really an, an issue, but it really depends on, I guess, the type of weight and the kind of weight 
and the way you use it. Mm. Um, I've not really had it touching touching anything, but I don't know how you experience it. When do you feel like it becomes a problem? I use kettlebells a lot. So with kettlebells, ah, yeah, yeah. anything on your wrist is is pretty uh, problematic. And, you know, um, yeah, so for me, that that's one of the main reasons I'm, I'm – I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not a watch wearer in general, so uh, yeah, yeah. I've heard the same from friends who go climbing that they they forgot to take their like their fitness tracker off, and they just got all scratched up just in the first half an hour. Mm. So so there you really so there's there's Whoop Prince, but there's also other brands like um, Polar is making some some devices with a similar type of technology as in as is in a watch, but you can wear it um, mm. on the arm, for instance. Yeah, I think Whoop's got yeah. that as well, from what I was looking at. Um, you've got like yeah, yeah, you can exactly. wear the tights or something. You can put it in the tights and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. They call it, I think, anywhere, as in you can wear it anywhere, but then wear with the wearing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I so I've tested it on the on the bicep. So I'm I'm wearing it under the shirt here. It has a bicep band. It the the old whoop, the new whoop also works quite quite well during weightlifting. Again, it's it's just the most difficult thing. Even there, if you're wearing it here and you're doing any kind of back exercise or something and there's tension on your on your arm it yeah. it will just struggle more how long have you been doing this for we probably should have asked that at the very beginning how long have you yeah, been yeah, wearing yeah. how long have you been wearing how many how many devices have you got on at the moment at the moment so i'm testing two of the the garments at the moment so i'm wearing two garment watches i'm wearing three aura rings testing the old version against two of the new version on a, a more tight finger and a less tight finger um i'm wearing i actually cycled in i'm at work at the moment or so my day job is a scientist so i i, I booked a meeting room and um, because this is for me this time is, is 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 a working day time um so i'm wearing a chest strap still because when i cycle in i always test the the watches as well so i cycle my cycle my ride to work is about 25 minutes so i'm still wearing the chest strap from that i'm wearing the whoop um that's about it now i i'm still i used to wear um a, a necklace that measured sunlight exposure huh. um because i wanted to see how that influenced my sleep i got the new like it broke i got a new one i still have to install it i used to wear something that measured my breathing rate but that broke as well and they don't produce it anymore um and i used to wear something around me that measured the, the air temperature because i wanted to see if outside temperature had a big influence on my my behavior and performance um, but that was just a, such a bulky device. It was like like this big. I don't know why they made it that big, but I just got sick of wearing it on my. I had it on the on the belt of my my pants. Uh, and after a big a bit, day, you, too much. You, after a big day, you head home. You put on your uh, your EEG sleep monitoring device. And yeah, yeah. Your blood pressure exactly. cuff and everything else. Yeah, wow, you must have a yeah, very yeah. good way of organizing uh, organizing all your gadgets. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You need to. Um, so, so this is also because it's also still part of that, that scientific project where I want to track myself long-term and where I'm still getting the MRIs for each, each week. Um, so I also used to, uh, I used to take poop samples each week because I, I wanted to measure my micro. So I took about 250 poop samples that are still in the minus two, minus 80 freezer here. Uh, at uh, you keep those ones at work, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it work, and I don't also don't have a minus eighty two. And the the worst thing I'm wearing, I'm uh, the 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 craziest thing I'm testing at the moment, or I'm using to test the aura ring, is um, there's this pill you can take, that's uh, a blue, that's a blue like the magic school bus sensor, the magic yeah yeah exactly yeah we used to have that when I was a kid, but yeah you take this pill, and it's basically a temperature sensor, so you swallow it and it goes through your your whole digestive tract and you wear a belt. Um, and it will capture that signal from the pill and it will measure your core body temperature because a lot of these rings also measure your temperature during the night. So I want to, I want to measure that. The, <laughs> the craziest thing is that, um, these individual pills, they're like 20, 25 bucks a piece at the moment. So it's a, a startup company, they're prototypes and they're kindly letting me lend the device. Um, but in order to, Do they ask for those ones back. <laughs> no, not those ones, but I actually, so I got 10 of 10 from them, which is super kind. And I'm still b uh, borrowing the, this, the belt. Um, but because I only had 10 and I want to test it for more nights, I, I inserted the other way around. And then first thing in the morning, I can collect it again from the toilet, which is like the, yeah, the craziest thing I've done so far. I, I do it very, like, I don't, I of course clean it and I have some, some tweezers to get it out and stuff, but um yeah that's the most dedication for me that felt like like the most dedicated going through my my yeah. my excrement to find back the the um uh, the pill 
and then I that's clean science. it with alcohol. But then, that's, yeah, that is yeah, science. Yeah, that's, the, the joy, that's the joys of science. <laughs> when I told my colleagues, they were making, they're still making fun of me for it. But yeah, uh, it's got to get yeah, some yeah, kind of nickname it. out of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so how long have you been doing this? Like, yeah. So the the whole self tracking thing started in in 2017 somewhere. So Jeez. then I bought my first Fitbit and, and, and then it sort of expanded in early 2018 with MRIs and stuff. Um, so that's when the MRI started. And since then, I've been measuring everything daily. So at the, the height of it, it took me about 11 hours a week to just measure things on myself. At the moment, I reduced it a bit. So I still do some measurements. I have a lot of these continuous measurements. I get my MRIs. Um, I do daily morning and evening questionnaires to have subjective stuff on myself as well. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I think it may be just the measuring part takes me a, a couple, like four or five hours a week or so. But then making, doing the testing and the data analysis for YouTube, which is a separate branch of what I do in my, in my head. Like YouTube takes me like 25 hours a week to do the testing, making the videos, everything like 25. And then I have my day job, which is also 45 hours a week. So I need to be very, very efficient with the things that I do. Yeah. Wow. So my next question, Craig, you got any questions, Craig, at all? Yeah, just I'm interested. So with the, with the MRIs that you're, that you're doing, are they functional mm -hmm. MRIs that you're getting or what? Um... Yeah. So, so they're both structural and yeah, basically the brain activity to to translate it yeah. for for people. So both so the first part is purely structural. The second part is brain activity. It's not that anything is injected, but it's it's mm -hmm. uh, measuring brain activity. And for the first part, I can be asleep if I wanted to be, but I'm. And the second part, I have to stare at a cross for for twenty minutes or so, and they're doing all the scans. And we we want to connect sleep and sleep quality to how the brain functions the the day after. Yeah, wow. wow, that's so. Like, I'm sure you're probably familiar with Matthew Walker. Why you, Why we sleep? Yeah, that yeah, book? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember, I just just you talking about that. Like, it reminds me of when there's there's a bit in the book where they talk about learning the piano, and they study the piano, and then they go and have a nap, and then they come back and have to do something again afterwards. And the people who went and had the nap had the much better recall of like the. Mm -hmm. the I don't know whether it was the piano or flashcards or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah, it was all about how you, you actually learn new skills while you sleep um, as opposed to... Or you, you, uh, you imprint you them solidify. better. I don't know what the word for it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, I think really the example he gave was people made X amount of mistakes, then they had to sleep and they stopped making the mistakes. So it was it's the whole idea that when we sleep, we actually lay down those pathways for, for learning and, and, and understanding new skills. So it's a, it's a very interesting... Um, very interesting plan. Have you got a, have you got an end date? How long are you planning on uh, yeah, maintaining so, this for? <laughs> Especially so the pill. I, I want to do it as long as, so my, <laughs> in my ideal world, I would do this for the next 40 years because I also want to see how the aging brain changes. Yeah. I want to find out what happens. So now I'm 33. I want to know what happens when I'm 40, when I'm 50. Like, how does that develop over time? Sleep patterns also change over time. But also, in general, I'm interested to see how the brain ages. And I think this longitudinal, so, so long over time kind of study, um, it's not really being done with all these different types of data. So I think that would be really valuable if I can keep convincing different professors to pay for, for the MRIs because they're not like somebody needs to take them, the machine needs to be paid for. So far, I've always convinced not, not cheap, different not cheap. people to do it. No. So one question, I, I'll, I'm going to have this question to both of you. What, what sort of benefits or how could this play a part in like someone's medical history? You know, so for someone like Craig, who's a GP, general practice, uh, you guys, I don't know if you call them GPs, family doctors, mm -hmm. whatever you yeah, might yeah. call them over there. Um, what sort of information could this help with a GP? And, and Craig, to you, same sort of thing. What sort of information do you think you could get out of something like a device of these things that, that would be helpful in a clinical setting? I don't know who wants to go first. Let's take a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. 
Yeah, I guess I can I can sort of jump in to start with. It'll be it's really interesting because it, it sort of can make it can put a bit of accountability on when you're, you're discussing with a patient. Obviously, we've only got a finite time. We only sort of get what's what's reported to us, and we can make sort of recommendations about general sort of foundational things that that can be beneficial for them. But if we could actually see what their sleep's like, have an idea of some of those um, biological parameters, noting that a lot of this stuff is is still uh, more in the the scientific sphere than probably in the in the practical uh, you know coalface medical area. You know we're not we're not checking heart rate variabilities in a, in a clinical sense. It's still very um, very much in in the science and maybe more in a in a high performance area. But if we could understand the quality of someone's sleep and we could understand um, what their their overall wellness is and some of the other stuff that that I know uh, Rob's looked at is you know tracking tracking temperature predictions and oxygen saturations to predict when people become unwell or you know in, even in the current environment having a having an idea of how we could monitor someone and know when someone might need to go into hospital uh, if they're they're more unwell because obviously that's a big issue at the moment with the pandemic of knowing who we can manage at home and who can who can we can manage externally so there's probably like public health implications for these sort of things. Um, as well as just providing that extra information for the person who's, who comes and sits in front of you. And, you know, when you suggest how, how are you sleeping, you can actually have some data to back that up. Like, the, I think that's probably a big part of what you could use it for. Yeah, and I, I think, so when the moment you get to patients, you're already went to the point where somebody's sick or significantly has a problem. I think before that, it can be used for prevention or, or general health tracking. Like people, the simplest thing is people are more accountable for, for their sleep, for instance. Like if you see on your screen, you are in bed on average for six hours a night. That's already, like that was for me already a major uh, psychological impact when I, like during my PhD, so I finished my PhD a year ago. In, during in the midst of my PhD, at some point, I was sleeping like six, five and a half hours a night. And when I saw that on my device for the first time, I was like, "Man, this is this is just not enough." I thought I was sleeping more. I thought it was like six and a half, seven, but it it just wasn't. So that's the first impact. Just getting that data to people, and then um, mostly these long these like long term tracking. If you do that, it means you can see when something starts to deviate, so people can notice something might be off. Um, Aura, for instance, or, or other other devices that tra track temperature, have been able to predict people getting viral infections like COVID before they even had significant symptoms, before they thought they had anything, just because they started noticing like heart rate variability started to change, temperature started to change, resting heart rate started to change, sleep quality started to change. So I think it's both um, people can use it to to inform themselves about our change changing in a negative way, both long-term or drastically like with an with a with a viral infection for instance and people can use it to try and indeed like optimize things in their life so this is all more preventative i think as well um where if you try to optimize whatever an a, a whoop score or an aura sleep score or something of course these are just proxies for getting better sleep in some way but it could help people live longer healthier happier um hopefully yeah, really interesting. One thing you mentioned about the sleep stuff just, just brought it to my mind. We so it's part of our part of our stuff that we used to we used to run boot camps and we coach people to run boot camps, right? And what we do is we typically have challenges built in throughout the like it's a ten week program. One of the challenges we do is a sleep challenge, and basically it's like, hey guys, what we want to do is make sure you're trying to get um, at least seven hours of sleep a night. So we really want you to focus on. We do some sleep hygiene sort of stuff around it and then yeah. like make sure you're in bed at whatever time and waking up at this time and we really want you to focus on that. And you know, like, like if you've got a device, you know, track your device, whatever. One thing we found, which is comes from a lot of people, is they actually get like anxiety around tracking their sleep. And they find maybe it's because they're only doing it for a week or like a couple of days, but yeah, they get yeah. this they get this anxiety around like tracking their sleep and they find that they sleep worse. What's uh, I yeah, presume you're, yeah. you're over that now five years five years yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I never had much of that, but I can can imagine it. I do think if they get used to it, it becomes normal. I I expect, but I don't know. Hmm. Um, I I hope they get used to it. I expect most people will get used to it. But my mom is the same. Like, uh, I was talking with her, and she was like, "Oh, can I borrow one of you, or can I have one of the watches that you're no longer testing because I, I want to uh, use it?" And I was like, "Oh, do you? What do you want? Like accurate heart rate or, or anything?" <laughs> and she was, "No, no, no. 
she's she runs she says no i don't want to track my heart rate i just want it for the messages on my uh to see the messages on my phone on my watch basically so there's <laughs> some people who are really averse to it and i i didn't really think about this too much because i'm in my bubble everybody loves this tracking and and does this but my mom for instance she she doesn't want to see it she even hates taking it like she has to take her blood pressure because she's prone to high blood pressure but she hates doing it um but I think you will get, she got used to the blood pressure thing partially. And I think sleep tracking, you will get, most people will be able to get used to. But I don't know if Greg has any, any experience with that, with his patients. Yeah, I think, so obviously, like, you know, health anxiety is an issue. So it is, it is a thing of all of a sudden you get this sort of Dr. Google phenomenon of um, people have extra information and, and, you know, small deviations, which are probably normal in the, in the existence might cause um, specific anxiety. In terms of, I guess, um, the issues with sleep, like one of the problems we do have is when we send someone for a sleep study in a sleep lab, it's such, a, such an artificial environment. Uh, and so getting uh, a long period of data like you've been able to do on yourself, Rob, is really interesting because, you know, that's now your normal, that's your normal routine. Whereas often, and, and as I said earlier on, often all we get is this tiny snapshot. So if we're sta starting to actually see the bigger picture of what someone's doing the other, you know, 23 and a half hours of their, their day when, when they're not sitting in front of us, we might be able to get some more information and hopefully do some of that preventative stuff and optimize their health and get them, you know, living healthier longer. It's, it's a great, a great idea. Yeah, so I think in general, them, without it's, making them too uh, anxious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And like you said, having this single data point makes it really difficult to judge because you don't know their baseline. You don't know when they were healthy, what they were like. And people are very different, even with sleep. I know, for instance, that I'm a relatively efficient sleeper, but I really have most, like everybody has most of their deep sleep in the beginning of the night. But from what I've seen, I have even more of a, a, ten, um, a tendency to have that all very much in the first part of my night. So, I mean, I've learned one thing so far. I've learned that there's a, a pill. I've learned, I've learned a lot, but I've learned there's, there's a pill that you can take to track your core temperature. My question is going to be around... What else is there to track? Like, what's the what's going to be the next frontier on some of this stuff? For, for let's just keep it maybe general population side yeah, of yeah. things. Like, what's what's the next thing that you think could be around the corner? So, I think one big thing, like a measurement that is being that's there but not really accessible to most people yet, is continuous glucose monitoring. So nowadays, if you want to measure, like mm -hmm. diabetic. People with diabetes have to measure their blood glucose to know when to eat, when to take insulin. Uh, like they can can keep that nice and uh, level um, baseline. But nowadays there's continuous glucose monitors, which are basically mm -hmm. small devices that uh, in that have a small like Teflon needle in a way that goes into your skin that can continue like every five minutes it samples what your blood glucose is. Um, but I think the moment you can get that without the needle part, the moment it's built into your Apple Watch, that's when people can also try to prevent having glucose spikes and then um, um, glucose dips afterwards. In general, I think the the idea is, but maybe Greg has more, more knowledge about this too, it's even with diabetic people, they want to keep their, their levels stable, but also with healthy people, having too many variations in a day can really impact your uh, also your energy, but maybe even your long-term health, though that is still very, very debatable, I think. Let's take a quick break. Hey, Bar & Grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar & Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! Yeah, so... It it's definitely having that information would be would be amazing because uh, you know those those big spikes and variations you know that we know that they're not good for you so so from there I, the, my next one is throw out a conspiratorial sort of world what let's go health insurance mm -hmm. like is there a place in you know like a health because you know like you said a lot of this stuff is predicting you know, like if, you, if you're doing it long term on yourself, you're, you're trying to improve your health, you're tracking your steps, you're, you're making sure you have all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Is there a future where your health insurance or something along those lines is going to be tied into, hey, get your Apple Watch and, you know, we're going to give you some lower premiums because you're hitting your 10,000 steps and you're sleeping seven hours a night and, you know, you're, you're 
doing that sort of stuff. Is do you see that happening in? A, in I think it it, it already exists to some degree. I think there were some life insurance companies that um, had some motive, like they were lowering rates for people uh, based on their their. I think it was step count. I don't remember. It was a, a while ago because basically the longer people kept paying their premiums, the the better it is for them. Um, and there, I've heard some stories about companies uh, also trying to motivate their employees. So. Yes, it will go out there. There's also people who go around that, like the moment they started doing this, there were people attaching the Fitbit to a drill and it would spin around and hit the table every every circle and that would count as one step. So there will be then again, people who are trying to go around it or people who attach it to their dog when they're taking their dog out for a walk who's running around the park. But it could happen. I think there's a, there's a danger there um, if, we, if it goes too far. I think maybe that's my naivety, but I think in Europe, we're generally pretty well protected from these things since we're, I don't know, socialist is not the right word, but we're more of a, a welfare society compared to the States. I don't know uh, what it's like for you. Craig, I don't know whether, I, I mean, I don't know how you describe us compared to say Europe. I, I, know, I feel like we're a hell of a lot better than the States, but I don't know, Craig, are we? Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of access to healthcare and stuff, we've got available healthcare to everybody and uh, but but I guess in the insurance sphere, because I know we've spoken about this on a previous podcast, I think, Trav, like the insurance companies were the first ones to realize that uh, blood pressure was a problem and they actually hiked up premiums for people with a higher blood pressure before the doctors were, um, you know, suggesting blood pressure to be lowered. So often often it is interesting that there, there could be potential sort of commercial applications uh, for these things where, uh, you know, if your data is available to a company, all of a sudden, your, your uh, biometric data maybe doesn't look as flattering and, and all of a sudden your prices go up or your uh, life insurance uh, gets more expensive. And then I guess the other thing to, to think about is, you know, privacy sort of stuff as well. It gets a bit, a bit tricky as things start to link in, especially if, you know, you're, um, uh, you're, you're tracking where, where people are and what they're doing and, and all that sort of stuff. So it, it, it'll be an interesting sort of balance of integrating into a technological world while also not, you know, completely entering the matrix, I guess. Yeah. I also wonder, like, this is something I've wondered, can they use it at some point to say you had a pre-existing condition just because you have data from the past, if they get access to that, could they say, hey, you already had heart rate irregular, heartbeat irregularities based on your Apple watch, so we're not going to pay out. I don't know. Uh, luckily, the I count, mean... There's, yeah, then there's the counter. Because of, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're advertising that the Apple watch will do the automated, uh, uh, the automated emergency services call if it detects evidence of a major trauma. I know that's been advertised over here. I'm not sure if you've, that's happening over in Europe where it, we've got an advertisement of, of someone running running through yeah. the park and it'll do I mean, an there's, automated There's also one, it, yeah. there's one I've heard where the guy's out at sea or something and his Apple Watch is calling and it, you know, like he's getting dragged out to sea and it's like Apple Watch is calling acting and they're like, a, yeah, we'll, send, we'll send the GPS. Coast Guard out to get you or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's sort of a double-edged sword. Like you know, more information could could save you, but uh, yeah, I guess it depends on how much of a uh, a conspiracist a conspiracist you are. Yeah, I tend to be positive about these things, but yeah, we have to be careful that it's not used in a negative way against people. I don't know, but I was also thinking you were you were asking about the, the future in the sense of, of of where developments are going. I think where where one major development is happening and still needs to happen is getting from showing people raw data to giving them actionable advice to mm. because now if i show if i were to give say, say i were to give my mom a fitbit and she gets these sleep stages and heart rate and heart rate variability and whatever she wouldn't know what to do with it like mm. she she would have to read up on it and and that's i think difficult what aura and whoop and some other companies are trying to do is then take the data condense it into an advice for that day both I think should be both long-term and short-term. It could be short-term like, hey, seemed you didn't sleep well. There was something odd with your sleep. Did you do something different yesterday? Did you have a late night snack? Maybe not do that next time. And for today, I would advise not to do strenuous exercise, but to do that mm -hmm. for to, to do that the day after. And then long-term, they could also say, hey, compared to the average population, your blood pressure seems to be high um, and your BMI might be slightly elevated. It could be a good idea to try and exercise a bit more like I think actionable advice will have will have to come with with a story and an explanation why. Mm. Um, but I think this is where companies can still make leaps because just showing raw data to people doesn't mean a hell of a lot That's unless true. you compare it to their trends and tell them what this means. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, our, our eldest brother got a Fitbit um, more recently and he had like, you know, they get like a month free trial of whatever it is, the Fitbit premium mm-hmm. now because they're on all on subscription. And he sent me through yeah. some of his info and he's like, hey, what does this mean? And like it was the heart rate variability stuff. And I was like, I was like, oh, look, I, I don't read. And it took me a while to like, I'm like, look, I, I don't know. As I said, I was, I was, I think pretty sure I was telling him, hey, it's supposed to be consistent. So I think there's, there's, you know, issues yeah. here. But uh, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, that you say that because that's a hundred percent the experience I had when he sent me his information and I was trying to figure out to like decode it and, um, yeah, trying to figure out, yeah, what, what it was, what it meant. And cause he was asking me about it. And I'm like, yeah, because you know, I kind of have a rough idea. So I think if, if someone had yeah, less of an idea, it would be even harder. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I think this is where companies will, will need. But of course, this requires a lot of um, algorithms being developed. And this is not an easy thing to do, but I think it will get there. And hopefully all the measurements will also become more personalized where they will recognize maybe like, hey, this seems to be somebody with a darker skin. So maybe this needs to be adjusted to get a more accurate heart rate. I don't know. Um, I've heard also stories from people with darker skins that that say, hey, these devices don't work as well on me because usually they're developed in a Western country by white guys. So they usually work well on white guys. But then the question is, do they work well on somebody with a different ethnicity? Um, yeah. 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 So I suppose just, just really getting that accuracy on a lot of the factors as well is one of the the continued improvement. Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're sort of starting to run down on time and get to the pointy end. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do this uh, first one. Let's just go gen population. I don't know whether you want to throw recommendations. You want to throw, uh, you know, one one thing out there. So so I can I can tell you really briefly what my top trackers are in different in the main category. So for for heart rate, if you want wrist worn wearables. I would say Apple Watch is by far the best. The Huawei Watch GT3 also performed quite well on me. And the Garmin Venue 2 also did quite well on me. Those would be my top three at the moment if I just go by my head. Sleep tracking, whoop strap, like sleep stage tracking, whoop strap Fitbit, Withing Sleep Analyzer. Um, and I recently tested a Garmin Watch. It also came close, but a lot of Garmin don't do so well yet. Um then for health tracking, I think Aura is still a good recommendation. If you just want to, if you're not, don't care about sports so much, but just about health tracking, Aura does a lot of good things there. Um, just not the sleep staging, and they're not that much into the fitness fitness um, um, thing. Um, and for heart rate, if you don't want to wear it on your wrist, um, do a chest strap. Whoop strap is also decent. You can wear it anywhere. Um, and also, um, there's the Garmin Verity, or is, is it the Verity Sense? You can also wear it um, on the on the biceps. Okay, it's so let, quite okay. I don't. Again, you can you can defer from this question as well if you wish. If you're going to mm-hmm. roll it into a you know like a readiness score, whoop strap style, you know, or your <laughs> your overall score, is there one that you think just goes like you know what like if you're happy to wear it on your wrist, or is is it is there one that you go you know it, in my opinion this is this is the one that I think would be the catch all. So there's no catch-all yet, which I wish there would be, but there isn't because they usually do well in some areas they mm-hmm. don't do in others. If I personally, if I were to track, if I want to improve my sleep and stuff, I would wear an aura ring just because it's quite good at a lot of this stuff. It will give me a general impression of my sleep quality, heart rate variability, all this stuff. That's where I would go for that. If I want heart rate, I would go for an Apple Watch just because wearing a chest strap is not convenient for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So those, if I would have to choose a, like with just two devices, I would go for an Apple Watch. It's limited to Apple users, which is a big limitation. But oh, that user. was actually going to be another. Is, is it li- is it limited to Apple users? Because I'm not only an Apple user. if you're an Apple ecosystem. So, really, that's so yeah. rubbish. Man, I hate Apple. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't hate. I, I get what they're doing because it means everything is super well integrated. It works super well, but it only works if you're in our ecosystem. Yeah, it's they also want to get you into their ecosystem, right? So, I don't know. <laughs> Apple Watch. So if I were to wear two devices to, to track my general health, it would be an Aura Ring, I think, and an Apple Watch just for, for, for exercise, which would be a convenient way to, to do it all. But there's, again, limitations to this. If you're, an, if you're an Android user and you want to track your heart rate, I would say go for the Y-Watch GT3 or the Garmin Venue 2 is also quite, quite a, a good device. Um, all right. Now, I'm going to go, this is the selfish question as a meathead. I'd love to. I, the, the one I've been looking into is the Whoop. Uh, yep. Are you gonna? Can Can you convince me to either 
not buy it or, or to get it because so for I me think- i'll put you i'll put this into like me use kettlebell so a watch i don't love a watch i do kickboxing and jiu-jitsu so i'd love to see how what happens when i do that so i need something that's pretty low profile should i get a chest strap or can i go the whoop i mean overall whoop is above average in most categories so it does quite well it's just not the top heart rate tracker mm. it's not the top sleep tracker but it does uh, it crosses a lot of uh it takes a lot of boxes again weightlifting heart rate if that's your main use for this then almost no wrist one wearable will will get mm, you there okay, or any anything that uses these optical sensors instead of actual electrical right. signals from your heart mm, right? interesting because i I was going to say, maybe I did watch, a, your, I watch your YouTube video. video. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I did watch I mean, your YouTube video and you almost convinced me to the whoop. So you, you are, from watching your YouTube video, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the I whoop. I mean, <laughs> overall, whoop is, is really doing quite... So if I get only one device, the whoop would be a, a strong contender for me just because it does it all quite well. But if I can have two devices, then I would go for Aura and, and, and the Apple Watch. One device, the whoop is really a good solid choice. It's just so expensive compared to many mm. others. That's why it bugs me. Like... Now that I'm older, the money matters less in a way. Like I can afford it. But if in my 20s, I would never have gotten the Whoop because mm. it's quite an expensive monthly subscription. For now, I would like, if I get a single device, the Whoop would be a solid choice for me. And given my priorities, which is also a lot of cycling and, and stuff, the Whoop would be, a, would be a good choice. Also for sleep tracking, also <sighs> for the actionable device. So Whoop is amongst my top contenders, but weightlifting will be tricky. <laughs> Fair enough. Craig, have you got anything uh, anything for Rob uh, as we look to sign off? Oh, just thank you so much for your time. It's a great chat, uh, lots of interesting information, and um, you're, you're obviously very dedicated to the dedicated to the cause. You're, uh, um, it'll be really interesting what, what data you're able to get, and, and that longitudinal yeah. study is, is just, is just uh, going to be really interesting. I love it. And, and for those who, um, who are listening today or you, know, you might watch it as well, uh, the Quantified Scientist on YouTube, are, I highly recommend it. There's heaps of videos there. I love the, I love the data and the way, the way you put it together. It, it is just, doesn't surprise me that it takes you many hours to do it. Um, I watch my wife make YouTube videos and it takes her many, many hours to do that as well. So, you know, yeah. when you're putting together the data and you're going, well, I'm wearing this and I'm tracking this and I'm comparing this to the old one and after the update and after the, it's, um, it really is amazing. And it, it's, it's one of my, it's become one of my ones that I like to go in and just like keep an eye out when there's one that you're like, oh, check out the new update on the Aura Ring. I'm like, oh, well, what's the update on the Aura Ring? Cause that yeah, was what yeah. I was thinking about. And I'm like, oh, what's that one saying? And then Samsung watch my, as I said, we're, we're sort of Samsung users. My wife has a Samsung watch. I'm like, yeah. oh, what's, what's the new Samsung one? What's that looking at? So, you know, if you're anything like me, you, you'll love the channel and it's, um, yeah, you'll get that hundred thousand, I'm sure in the next, uh, next little bit. And as I said, you'll have that little plaque on the wall behind you as well. Um, yeah, for other than that though, quantified scientists on YouTube, is there any other way that you, you people reach out to you? I mean, I also have Instagram and Twitter, but I don't, I, I'm going to start using it again. Uh, after I hit a hundred thousand, I've been neglecting it a, a little bit. Um, I don't even know my Twitter. It's all quantified <laughs> scientist in a way, but I honestly, I'm, I think the long, sh- the long form format of YouTube is really my main way to mm. go. Um, I'm planning to do some Instagram stuff that's more easily digestible, but I'm, I'm still figuring it out. So I'm, uh, yeah. Love but it. if you search for the quantified, for quantified, quantified scientist without the on Instagram or Twitter, you will also find me. Beautiful. All right, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks it's for been a real me, pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Check out Mealsy, the ultimate solution for creating custom meal plans in just a few simple clicks. With Mealsy, you can say goodbye to countless hours spent on meal planning. Our Australian meal planning web app is designed to save you time and effort 
so you can focus on what really matters, your clients and their success. Mealsy provides you with a vast library of recipes, all created by nutrition professionals. From breakfast to dinner and everything in between, we've got you covered. Whether you want to create a custom meal plan tailored to your client's needs or choose from our selection of ready-made meal plans, Mealsy has the flexibility to accommodate your preferences. So why waste precious time and energy creating meal plans from scratch? Let Mealsy do the heavy lifting for you while you focus on delivering exceptional fitness services. Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionized their business with Mealsy. Visit our website at www.mealsy.com and sign up today. Mealsy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.